Good morning, everyone. Thank you for having me again. It's great to be here uh, this wonderful morning. I want to ask uh, a question, um, looking around to see some of, some of the young people, like younger, younger people in the room. Um, would, would, would one of you want to be a volunteer just to come up here for a second? Any, any brave souls out there? Anybody? Just, just to right here, you don't have to. Children, age of all? Anybody? Yeah, okay, come on up, come on up. Okay, if I was to hand you this, which I am, what does this look like? Can you, can you think? It, it, it's actually an end of a paddle, so it doesn't look like much, but it's supposed to look like a baton. Do you know what a baton is? Okay, a baton is something that usually they give to a runner in a race. Have you ever seen a runner run a race? Yeah? Okay, so when they run, they run fast, right? Okay, and sometimes in a race, here you can hold that, in a race, in a relay race, they run really fast and they hand off the baton to their teammate, and they work together to run around the track, okay? And so if I was in a race, and you were right there, and you were going to run to the end of the room, okay, face that way, and I put your hand back just slightly, and I'm going to hand you this baton, okay? Got to make a good handoff. There you go. And now I want you to run that way really fast. <laughs> nice. Good job. All right. You can bring it... All right, so thank you so much. You did a wonderful job. The point of that was just to help you see um, that we have something urgent to run with as well. In a race, they run with a baton. Um, As Christians, we run with something else. And now if I was to, um, we run with the Bible. We run with God's Word. We have an urgent message to deliver, to reach people with the good news of the Gospel, Um, And today I'm going to point you to a passage where Paul talks about the Word of God uh, and and how we should pray that it should speed ahead as it reaches people with the good news of Jesus Christ because it's a life-changing message. And we have this baton, this Word of life, the Word of God, the Gospel, the message of the Lord, but it's got to go forth to people so that they can be grounded in the faith, so that they can know the truth of God's Word. But we've got to bathe it in prayer. And then there's this temptation in our churches today, um, in general, where we've got, we focus on the methods and all these strategies and programs and things. But sometimes in that, we lose, we lose uh, the importance of bathing the Word of God in prayer as we seek to move the Word forward to reach people in our lives. And so that's, that's the message that... Uh, essentially that I'm going to give to you today, that the Lord is faithful to advance His Word and to establish His people through your prayers, through the prayers and ministry of His people. And so the text that we're going to read today is from 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians 3, 1-5. through And as you're turning there, I'm going to just tell you a little story as part of the introduction. I'm reading a book that came out last month, and I usually don't read books this fast, but this was one that 
that I was reading fast. Um, it's, it's, I don't know what you think of David Platt, but um, I like him. And, and it, he uh, wrote a book called Something Needs to Change. And it um, details the, uh, the, the account of him going to the Himalayas on a trip where he did a lot of hiking and a lot of um, interaction with different people. And it's, it's pretty raw and authentic and one of those books that it's kind of a wake-up call, I think particularly to American Christians. But anyway, he, uh, he tells a story about uh, lots of stories in the book, but this one where they actually had a meeting with believers in the area, and there's very few in the area, but it was a meeting where people from all over the area, all over the region, would come for encouragement and training, and this particular night ended up being about 12 hours of praying, encouragement, and, and teaching. One man in particular, uh, it took him three weeks to get there. And so, um, anyway, David Platt had this conversation with, with a man named Ram and his wife, uh, Rasilla, and she tells uh, Mr. Platt that uh, her husband used to be a very bad man, that he wouldn't care for his his family, he would not come home often, uh, a lot of stuff. Uh, he was just a very, very bad man um, until one day he came home, completely changed, completely different. And it was because he heard about this incredible news that he could actually be forgiven of his life and he could have a new life and be transformed. And, um, and this took place because uh, of a couple that decided to move there and just spend about a decade there of investing their lives into people so that the good news would be heard, so that the word of God would go forth. Um, and they decided to move into the mountains, not just stay on the outskirts, but they built their house. This person's name was uh, so, so Jin and Jin. And they built their house, and they built this house, but then it wasn't long afterwards that uh, they heard some men come to the house and started banging on the windows and yelling at them and telling them they needed to leave or they would be killed. And, um, and so... This couple ended up leaving, and as they left, the people burned down their house, and uh, they decided that, uh, that their time over there for that time was over, and so they left. But the next morning, they prayed specifically for those people who burned down their house. And uh, many months later, after the fact, they heard of a natural disaster that took place in the area. And so they decided, okay, let's go back and just serve and just help build houses. And they built over 100 houses uh, one of which I believe was this uh, gentleman, this, this man who was a tribal militant, who was the leader or the main guy who came in to burn the house down. Um, and he started to wonder, why is this person, why are these people rebuilding our houses? Um, and through that process came to know the Lord Jesus and received forgiveness and then offered up his own land and that place where they were meeting at that point with David Platt so that that church could meet. Um, and I say that because there was an integral part of that story, and that is this man prayed for those tribal militants to just burn down his house, that they would receive the word of God, and, and their hearts would be open to the beauty of Jesus Christ. And so prayers are so powerful, and the Lord uses that to advance the gospel, to advance the word of the Lord. And so we're going to look at a passage in 2 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. And so if you'll stand with me, particularly this passage which speaks of honoring the Word of God, and we're going to honor the Word of God by standing and reading 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1-5. through 5. Finally, 
Brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. For not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. Let me pray and then we can sit down. Lord, I uh, pray for this time uh, that you would encourage our hearts, that, that you would remind us that our, our, our prayers are important. Um, God, remind us of your faithfulness. Remind us uh, to be directing our hearts, that that would be our prayer, that our hearts would be directed to the love of God and the steadfastness of Christ as you advance your word through the ministry of these people at Bernie Bible Church. Lord, we love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So 2 Thessalonians 3, 1 to 5, we're going to see really two things. Uh, Verses 1 to 2, we're going to highlight a promise and a prayer for the the messenger of the word. In this case, it was Paul or the shepherd. And then verses 3 and 5, a prayer and a promise for the church. For the flock. So Thessalonians, uh, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, this was a, a letter that Paul wrote to the, to the church in Thessalonica. And this was uh, a group of people that he spent, most people think, a number of weeks at least with this church and had an intimate relationship uh, just by spending time and working among them and setting an incredible example for them to imitate and this was on his second missionary journey. He got that Macedonian call and, and went over into Philippi and experienced affliction and persecution and then went on to Thessalonica eventually. And there was a, a mob of Jews who, there was an uproar and there was more affliction and persecution. And Paul and Silas, or Silvanus, how, how it reads in the beginning of this letter, were in Thessalonica and they were persecuted. And, uh, but yet they, uh, the word of God went forth with this church. And then Paul and Silas went on um, to Berea and into Athens. And then he, I believe he probably writes somewhere around there or in Corinth uh, this letter to the Thessalonians, this uh, church that meant so much to him. And so uh, the first thing we're going to see is this promise for the, for the messengers, for Paul, as he was the missionaries, the person who was delivering the word. And so in verse 1, we're going to look at this. The, the, main, the first point is that the church must pray for the advancement and honor of God's word. The church must pray for the advancement and honor of God's word. So even as your missionary moment speaks of these missionaries, I love that, that map back there, that we are to pray for the advancement and honor of God's word. Look at verse 1. Paul says, finally, brothers, pray for us. So this is a transition. Often in Paul's letter, he speaks of uh, these, these doctrinal issues, and he does so in 2 Thessalonians, where he encourages them in this first chapter uh, to remain firm amidst the persecutions. He, uh, they had a lot of persecutions. Um, he thanks the Lord and he guarantees them of, of uh, 
of what is to come. That God is, is righteous and he's going to right all wrongs eventually. And he also, in chapter 2, explains and clarifies some of the end-time confusion that, that, that was going on. And so he, he, he goes through these first two chapters with some heavy material. But in chapter 3, he has a little bit of a transition where it's pur- about purposeful living. And, he, and this specifically in these five verses are praying for God's people. The, the, the messenger, the missionary, but also the, the, the flock, the church. So we have responsibilities, involves prayer, this imperative, this command to pray continually. If you've read any of Paul's letters, you know that that comes out pretty strong. Prayer is pretty important to him. He knows it's, it's critical and he asks for prayer. He wasn't without that need, as great as we think Paul was. And so it's a reminder to pray for, um, for our pastors, to pray for um, our leaders, to pray for your leaders, to pray for Charlie, to pray for the elders uh, to pray for the missionaries, uh, but also to pray for the church. And so praying is a part of, uh, of, of, of ministry. Martin Luther said once, I have so much business, I can't get on without spending, I can't get on without spending three hours daily in prayer. Sometimes I think the temptation is, how do I have time to pray? I've got so much to pray, I've got so much to do. Oswald Chambers says, prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. So do we really believe that? Ian Bounds says, Talking to men for God is a great thing, but talking to God for men is greater still. And so prayer is this this incredible ministry that we begin praying for people all around us. And isn't that amazing how God uses us in the work? I mean, He does the work ultimately, but He uses us, and our prayers are a part of that. And certainly opposition is a part of that. And so Paul and, and the Thessalonians have experienced that. Uh, but these three words are an important model. Pray for us. And so can we be courageous to pray? Um, there's a man uh, who helped write the, the book Operation uh, World, I believe it is, and uh, Patrick Johnstone. He says, when man works, I think he said this, when man works, man works. But when man prays, God works. And so you look at the examples throughout Scripture. Prayer is, is all over Scripture. Jesus prayed all the time throughout the night, one particular time in Luke. Um, Paul was constant in prayer. He talks about when we're anxious, to not be anxious, but to, to, to pray, to be steadfast, to, to pray without ceasing. And so our prayers are important, but our, our prayers ask God to carry forth the word of God so that it would speed ahead. So look at verse 1, that the word of the Lord may speed ahead. So the word of the Lord, this is an expression in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. It basically means it's the, the, the source is God. The words are from Him. They're true. And it, if, particularly if you look through Acts, this phrase, the word of the Lord, is mentioned. Acts 8, Peter and John uh, spoke the word of the Lord. Acts 13, uh, they gathered the assembly together to hear the word of the Lord. And the people praised the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord was spreading throughout the entire region. These are the kind of phrases that, that you hear all throughout the book of Acts. And I could go on and on, but particularly in, in 1 Thessalonians, in chapter 1, the word of the Lord sounded forth, or the, the, their faith uh, 
Yeah, the word of the Lord sounded forth, it says in 1 Thessalonians 1, chapter 8. Even in much affliction, it speaks of. So God, God uses the, the circumstances where it's darkest and his light shines the brightest. And in our context here, the word of the Lord is, is, is obviously tied specifically with the gospel message, the good news and so I want to, I want to uh, encourage you with that, but also challenge you a little bit with that, because sometimes in our culture we have a, a tendency to kind of shy away from being more specific, and um, we speak of the good news, but we don't always explain the good news, or um, things like that. And, and so if we're sharing with people, we need, to, we need to articulate the good news, the good news that Jesus died on the cross, that he offers forgiveness, that he took your place, and that he rose from the dead. If you believe in Him, you can have eternal life. You can be forgiven. You can receive the Spirit of God so that you might live a new life and have relationship with Him. And look forward to the resurrection to come because He indeed lives. He's victorious. And so it's incredible good news. But how do we explain that to people? How does it change you? How is it changing you? And so we get that opportunity to explain the Word of God, to explain the message and the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's powerful. I, I want to encourage you to, to be bold and to pray for boldness because we have nothing to be ashamed of, Romans 1. We can stand behind it. And if people re- reject it, it feels like they're rejecting us, but we can stand behind the Word of God. God is big enough to take care of any rejection. And so this is how the Word of the Lord runs ahead. That the word of the Lord may speed ahead. It's literally this run ahead. The gospel is to run ahead, to advance as we hold this word of life. Uh, Philippians 2 speaks of holding fast to the word of life. I often think of, of running uh, this, this, uh, this idea of, uh, like a, we, we easily think of like a track race. Um, I also think of... Dogs I used to have. I used to have Siberian Huskies, which is a bad idea in Texas. But um, they love to run. I mean, a lot of animals love to run. But if it's cold enough, which it hardly is, but I lived in Dallas for the most part of uh, when, I, when I had these dogs when they were young. Um, it would get a little bit colder in the winter. And um, I was uh, not wise enough, uh, probably, but I thought it would be a good idea to sort of mush with them with rollerblades. And so I, 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 I mean, I know a lot about sled dogs, but I, um, uh, I, I got harnesses for them, and I had my rollerblades, and I had two huskies, and there was an area in Dallas called White Rock Lake, and, and when it got cold enough, they would run, and I mean run. And, and one time, I was really not smart enough, but I decided to do it in my neighborhood, uh, and they had sidewalks there, and, and I was flying down the street, and a car was driving next to me just laughing at me. And that always makes you feel really stupid. Um, and it was stupid. But anyway, my house was coming up on the left. And I know I had to stop. And it just wasn't smart. And so if you stop in grass going 40 miles an hour on rollerblades, it's not a good picture. And your legs start doing this business. And then you just face plant. That's really what happened. And I didn't, my face was in the grass, so I didn't see the car. But I'm sure they were laughing but uh, so anyway the the this is the image I think of run 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 and we are to run with something actually huskies did that in the 20s that's how they came up with the, the race the Iditarod because they were running with important medicine it was an urgent 
uh, thing to get this medicine to a group of people in Nome. And so we have an urgent, gospel-centered, incredible good news to carry to people in our circles of influence, our places of work, people we see regularly. The Word of God is to, to run ahead and to reach people. And part of when I was reading this book, it was interesting because he would encounter people in a village who had urgent physical needs, um, and obviously urgent spiritual needs. But the, the, the gentleman was speaking of the missionary in Peru, or the, the opportunity in Peru, where they need people to help with glasses and different things like that. Um, that that's so important that we get involved and use the abilities that we have to meet urgent physical needs, not only because we authentically really want to care for people, because those are people made in the image of God, but also because it opens up doors for them to know their spiritual need of knowing Jesus Christ. And in this book, David Platt would run across people in the villages who one man had a um, uh, missing eye. And the story was that it got so bad, there was an infection in his eye, and it got so bad, he didn't have any medicine, and it just fell out. Um, And somehow, through that process, the name of Jesus came up, and he was like, who's that? And, And it... The situ- the, the, he tells a story like the man thought that Jesus was just another guy in the next village. And so it's, it's interesting how there's, there's obviously so many places like that where like literally 0.0% people in an area that have never even, don't even know Jesus or thinks he's a guy in the next village. Um, and so the word of God, we are to be praying um, and going and sending and being involved in these kind of things. Um, Recently, I was aware of a, a phone app. Um, uh, well, I don't, can't remember what it is. Maybe some of y'all do, but um, maybe it's through Operation World. I can't remember. Or the Joshua Project, if anybody has that. But now I have it, and I can click on it, and there's an unreached people group that pops up on my phone every day. And it's a good opportunity to just kind of get outside of our box and think about this. And it, it'll have like 934,000 people live in this area, 0.0% Christian. Wow, <laughs> isn't that amazing? And so you can pop that up, even look at it with your kids, and, and just pray for that person or that individual or that tribal person. And you can even click on there, and it shows like 1,000 people praying. Um, so just a couple of things that help, help us as we think about how do we speed ahead the Word of God and how do we honor the Word of God. The Word is to, to, to praise or to glory, to honor. And uh, today, in this postmodern culture, the Word of God is not honored that much or seen as an authority, but we've got to pray that God opens up our hearts, or their hearts, to it. And so, as we seek to do that, we've got to live that out. Sometimes in our prayers, and as I pray that the Word of the Lord, um, or as I, as I even just pray, like, what to pray, sometimes maybe even opening a psalm or a portion of scripture and reading that and then trying to pray that is, is a good way to, uh, to, to have content to your prayers because sometimes we don't know what to, to pray for. Um, and so how do we honor the word of the Lord in our lives? Uh, Paul says, as happened among you. And so this is the church that in chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 it was an incredible example of how they received the word and it impacted them. It sounded forth. It didn't just stay in the area. And so this, the, that's the first thing, that we pray for the advancement of God's word. The second thing is that the, we, the church must pray for the protection of God's people. 
So he says in verse 2, and that we may uh, that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. And so um, Paul has had his share of these kind of experiences. As a frontline missionary, you can read throughout Scripture that Paul experienced all sorts of um, persecution. In First, uh, Second Corinthians, he mentions imprisonments, countless beatings, often near death. Five times he received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes, less one. Three times he was beaten with rods. Once he was stoned, he was shipwrecked. A day and night at sea, frequent journeys, dangers from rivers, robbers, his own people, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. There's so much that our missionaries and people go through. And uh, I'm convinced that, that perhaps we aren't living as radically as we should because perhaps we would maybe face a little bit more opposition in our own country. Um, but the other thing is, oppos- more opposition is coming. So it, it, that's just kind of obvious. And as more opposition is coming, uh, the light of the gospel is going to shine forth. And so we want to be prepared for that. But praying for our missionaries that they would be delivered from wicked and evil men uh, is something that I want to encourage us all to do, to get to know our missionaries. Uh, and I, I, just looking at my own experience in churches, I have not done a good job of just knowing my own missionaries in our churches. And so I want to encourage you, as I really encourage myself, or encourage, that I've got to know those who we're, who we're supporting, who we're praying for. Um, and you can even... You can even there's things that, 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 um, that can help us become more aware of what's going on. And, and some of that is, I think you all do an incredible example of your missionary moments and, and just looking at your website and all the missionaries that you support. Uh, there's different, different ways to get to know those people, but we've got to be intentional. And sometimes we've got to just go and be a part of these places. Because oftentimes when we do that, God opens our eyes to different Things and, and, and maybe is even directing you or me in those directions. And so it's very important uh, because there are wicked and evil men out there. But he says, for not all have faith. You know, not, the, um, the, they don't all know the Lord. They don't all have the trust in Jesus Christ. And so those, those are the prayers for the leaders, but now the prayer for the people. So we don't always, we don't just pray for the advancement of God's word. We don't just pray for the protection from evil men, but thirdly, we, we, we want to know that the Lord is faithful. The Lord is faithful to carry out this work because it's His work. The Lord is faithful to carry out His work. And here's the promise and the prayer for the church. So before was the promise and the prayer uh, for the messenger, for the missionary, for the, for the shepherd. Here's the prayer and the promise for the church, for the flock, for you guys. The Lord is faithful, and that obviously has to do with, with both. Um, he will establish you and guard you against the evil one. So this is incredibly encouraging because the Lord is faithful. He will complete what He started. And aren't we glad about that? Aren't we glad that He's in control? He's in control. He who began a good work in you will bring it to, complete, to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians 1. Jude 24 says, Now to him who is able to keep you, 
1 Thessalonians 5, He who calls you is faithful, and he will surely do it. 1 Corinthians 1 speaks of of Jesus confirming you and sustaining you. And that God who calls you into fellowship with His Son, is He's faithful. He will do it. And so I want to first just, just encourage you with that. That, that God is the faithful one who, who completes His work. And we can trust in Him. And we can, we can thank Him. And we can, we can surrender to Him as He does His work. Because He's going to establish. Um, he's going to strengthen. He's going to uh, guard you. He's going to protect and watch out for you. And that doesn't, that doesn't always mean uh, there's not going to be a cost. I mean, somebody's house got burned down who was trying to advance the gospel. But there, there's going to be a cost. Maybe it's just going to be rejection in our life or a lost job or taking less money or uh, giving up a dream, whatever it may be. Um, but the Lord will establish and He's faithful to do that. And we have confidence in the Lord about you. That you are doing and will do the things that we command. So, if the word of the Lord is going to speed ahead in reaching others, it must first do so in you, in me. That you are doing and will do the things that we command. So the commands, the word of God, is it... Is it are we not only in the Word, but is the Word in us? And so in this, in this book, Paul speaks of all sorts of, of commands from the Lord. That's truth, the Word of the Lord, to give thanks, to not be shaken or deceived, to stand firm. All of these things uh, we are to heed and to, to obey. And so um, finally in verse 5, this, this last verse is, is an incredible verse and, and no matter where you are in your life, this is a verse that is encouraging because no matter where you are or what you're going through, this can be a prayer for you. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. Just think about that. No matter what's going through your life, at the end of the night, no matter what your day's been like or what your last six months has been like, or what the last six years have been like. This is an incredible prayer. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. The direction to make straight, to guide. And our hearts, apart from Christ, are are deceitful. And um, our our hearts are, 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 are wicked, Scripture speaks of. But in Christ, we're given a new heart, to have a new desire, to have a new affection. And God grabs our hearts first before He moves us to action. Because if our our heart is right, then our actions will follow. And so where does He direct our hearts? He directs directs our hearts to the love of God. And this is a a phrase, the the nerdy Greek term is a a, a genitive. So love of God. Is uh, Is this God's love to us? Or is this our love for God? Or is it maybe both? Uh, I I think God's love first came to us, was poured down um, 
into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, Romans 5 says. We were transformed so that we would have a heart of love, to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. And then as that flows out to people and to others, so we ask God to direct our hearts to the love of God. And I think often for, for me, if I'm having a hard day or a hard week or a discouraging month or a discouraging year, um, it's helpful to think, let me go back to this. Lord, direct my heart to the love of God. Because if my heart's directed to the love of God, it's His love in me that is, is overflowing into a, to service, to... to uh, to love others. And so, is your heart being directed to the love of God? Is your heart being directed to the steadfastness of Christ? The steadfastness of Christ. This word steadfastness means to, to hold out or to bear up in the face of difficulty. Some other words or translations uh, might say patience or endurance or fortitude. Um, and I should have asked this earlier. I think next time I'll preach from the NASB, but I, I realize y'all go through the NASB, so I apologize. This is the ESV. It uses steadfastness of Christ. Uh, but the word is, is this perseveringness, this perseverance that Christ had. This is what He did. Hebrews 12 speaks of that. Um, and so we are to look to Christ, not just merely as this example, but... This is, this is the, stead, the steadfastness of Christ that went to the cross for us. And if we're in Christ, God through His Holy Spirit produces the steadfastness of Christ in us. So if our hearts are being directed to the steadfastness of Christ, then, then He produces in us endurance and perseverance as we carry out His commands. And probably in this context, as we, context, we, as we wait patiently for His return. No matter the persecution. In fact, often in persecution, those are, the, um, those are the means that God uses so that He transforms us to persevere more and more. So the steadfastness of Christ is really, really important. If we're in Christ, then Christ, the steadfastness of Christ is what the Lord develops in and through our lives. So may your hearts be directed to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. And so as we kind of step back and, and look at what we just looked at in these five very special verses as Paul has this intimate relationship with the Thessalonians, the church in Thessalonica, after encouraging them to stand firm in the midst of affliction and clarifying some confusion they might have had about the end times and a lot of the persecution that was going on, he says, pray. Pray. Pray for the advancement of God's Word. And pray. Pray for the protection of God's people. And then finally, rest knowing that the Lord is faithful. He's faithful to carry out His work in His people. Because as He does that, He continually directs our heart to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. And so let's do that. Let's pray for one another. 
that the word of the Lord would speed ahead, that the gospel message would go forth. And, and let's be thankful that that happens in this church weekly and through your lives. And let's pray that the church is protected as your ministry goes forth in Bernie and in Comfort and in San Antonio and in this area. And let's pray that the Lord is honored and, and, and the Lord protects the missionaries that you support in those areas, in Peru and in all across the world and the map back there, people that you support and care for and pray for. So let's do that. Let's pray right now. Let's pray that the Lord would use His people to establish His church and to advance the word of life. Let's do that now. Heavenly Father, I thank You so much for Your Word. And I, I ask for Your forgiveness for taking it for, for granted. Um, I have countless Bibles in my room in multiple versions. More than I have fingers for, probably. And yet there are millions of people across the face of this earth who have no access to the word of life, have no access to your truth, don't even know that there is a truth, or don't even know that there, there is uh, a man who lived on the earth, who came from heaven, who is fully God and fully man, and who offers the most incredible news ever. And so, Father, I pray, um, I pray that you would take this message from your word and remind us to pray for the advancement of the word. And I know, Father, it's not just across the world, but there's, there's people in our area that, that need to know the Word very clearly, that, that, that don't believe in the authority of the Word. And so I pray that as you use your people to advance your ministry, that you would open the hearts of the people they come in contact with, and that the Word of the Lord would go forth, and that it would be powerful, and it would not return void. And we know that, Lord, because your word says it. I pray for, for Charlie. I pray for the elders. Uh, from what I know, Charlie and Jeff and Jim and Jack. And I pray for their missionaries. Um, I pray for the leaders of this church, um, from the babies all the way up. And I pray um, for each and every ministry in this church, and each and every father and mother, grandfather, grand mother um, and child, that they would be encouraged and know um, that you're working and you're faithful. Lord, we love you so much. Thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen.